Hello and welcome to Sim Radio here on the Sisters in Music Network. It's Monday Music Madness and you're tuned in to Mixing It with Nikki Chris. This is Nikki and in case you don't know anything about me, I'm a singer-songwriter from Raleigh, North Carolina. My show celebrates women in the music and entertainment industry, providing an avenue for them to showcase their talents. Our motto, Sisters in Music. Together we are stronger. My guest today is a songwriter and artist that has been closely knit into the Northwest hip-hop community, having been featured on many albums. Her solo music has been more often compared with Honey Honey and Janis Joplin. In 2019, she was a victim of a violent crime. With limited use of her hands from the injuries, she began collaborating with Kate Sims, focusing more on writing lyrics and melodies than playing guitar. Her new music is focused on uplifting humanity through the perseverance of common struggle and celebration of life. I am so excited to bring you Poena and Kate Sims. Guys, welcome Yay. to Mixing It. How are you doing? Great. Thanks for having us. Great, Nikki. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm really excited to have you on the show. I'm really interested to learn more about you, and I know our listeners want to learn more about you as well. So let's kick things off first with Poena. Tell us how you got started in music. You know, it's just always been something that I have loved. I'm pretty sure I was five when I decided I was going to be a singer. My dad thought that I was like some intruder had come into the house or something because I was screaming my little head off and he found me standing on my bed like way overjoyed and I announced to him that I was knew what I was going to be when I grew up and I was going to be a singer. So (laughs) I guess I just always knew. That's awesome. Do your parents support your musical endeavors even now? Not particularly. Sometimes. (laughs) My mom. Not particularly. (laughs) My mom came out. Me and Tate played in Utah at the Ogden Amphitheater during the Christmas Village recently in December. My mom came out and actually sang some backup vocals. So that was pretty rad and fun experience to have her there participating. Excellent. Hopefully you guys took some video of that and posted it online because I'm sure that folks would love to see that. Yeah, there's a little bit we posted on Instagram. I still have the footage. It was a really fun show. Hopefully we'll be doing more like that. Oh, great. It's kind of my first show back. (laughs) Hey, those are always great, right? One step at a time. That's what you have to do. That's right. Keep it on, on course. Stay the course and keep, keep going. it going. Keep it on, yeah. Yep. Keep it going. Well, tell us a little bit about how the two of you got together. Pauline and I met um, about five or six years ago now in um, Hollywood, California. And uh, she was working with this guy that was a former um, liaison for James Brown and keyboard player part-time. And uh, he was getting a band together. And uh, she was helping him out, you know, establish the band. And I just happened to be one of the guitar players that was in that band, and it was a star-studded cast. And needless to say, uh, the guy that got us together isn't with us anymore, and uh, everybody else that was in that band is still friends. So 
that was the purpose of us being in that band was to have meet all these really, really cool people. And that's how Apoyan and I met. Yeah, it was pretty fun. It was a lot of older musicians who've toured and done all these incredible things. And uh, it was Louie. I used to go out with him to all these shows and we'd meet all these other musicians. And quickly the band just like kind of came together and we were jamming with all these really fun musicians that were incredibly talented and me and T I think we bonded over we both are the kind of musicians that we just want to play we just love music we just put us up there put us in coach like let us play <laughs> <laughs> that's true <laughs> Oh, I love that. And Tate, you actually have a pretty versed musical background. You want to just tell us a little bit about yourself as well? Yeah, well, I was raised in a musical family. My dad and my mom both met in church. They were both singers in gospel, and that's basically how I got my that's musical cute. talent from them. Just listening to them, you know, <laughs> listening to my dad's group when I was two years old, patting my feet in front of his band and uh, his group, and I just that's basically so never cute. stopped learned how to play guitar at a young age, and um, I just never really stopped. I was playing in bars illegally back in the day, you know, at 16 years old, and I found <laughs> that I could make money playing music, and I haven't stopped since. So, yeah, I've worked with people like uh, Joe Cocker and Christina Aguilera, Murray Wilson from the Supremes, and, you know, to name a few. So, yeah, I've been around the world a couple of times, and I've been blessed enough to be able to play music and do what I love and see the world at the same time. It was Nothing nothing better. That's the way to do Fantastic. it. Fantastic. That is the way to do it. That's awesome. You know, I actually think, Tate, that you and I are friends on Facebook. Oh, I wouldn't doubt oh, it. <laughs> that's cool. I'm going to look you up now. Now I have to look you up. Cause that's, yeah. Well, I, 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 think, I think we are. But don't quote me on that. But anyway, I'm pretty sure that, that we are because it is what it is. So, hey, yep. it's really great Very to talk to you because a lot of times you're friends with people on Facebook that you kind of get connected through various different things, and then you're like, oh, hey, nice to finally chat with you, right? You do that right, virtual. Right. So awesome. That's wonderful. So let's talk about one of the songs that you brought with you to share, why don't you guys tell me a little bit about I Seen Lies. What is this song about? Go ahead, Pamela. Uh, I just played the music. <laughs> that's, all, that's all you did, right? <laughs> you just <laughs> killed it with the music. <laughs> um, so this is the second song that me and Tate wrote. Or no, actually, it's the third song we wrote together. The first one we wrote together, yeah. we never actually recorded. We will, but... Right. Um, this this is the second song we wrote and released together, and uh, we were just so excited about our first song, Crazy in Love, that we were like, we got to do this again, like, let's do it again. And at this point, I had moved from L.A., and I was living in Utah, so we were doing it kind of over the Internet during the whole COVID shutdown thing. And so he had, like, came up with an idea and sent me the music, and I was just sitting in the mountains just pondering like the conflicts of the world i actually don't know if i've even told tate what i really meant by the song so this will be interesting to hear how you feel about this <laughs> I guess. but you know how like during the covid shutdowns and there's like all these like riots and protests and all this stuff going on and 
I don't know, maybe it was me being jaded or something or, but I just kind of looked at everything and I felt like there was a lot of hypocritical sort of fluffy support of the Black Lives Matter movement because I saw what was happening, but I just felt like the main section of the song was like, I've seen lies imitate love, and I'm talking about, basically, I want to be wanted and not just for now. What I was talking about was like how there was this platform, right, to discuss certain things that were going on in the world, but I, I felt like I just based on history and how I've seen things play out over and over, I was like really hoping that there's going to be something more that was going to come out of it. But in a lot of ways, I felt like people were kind of pawns in a sense where it was like, I feel like the politicians involved and all that kind of stuff. Like I felt like there should have been a lot more outcomes with, with everything that happened with the protests and stuff, there should have been more outcomes, especially with like the, you know, millions of dollars raised and all that kind of stuff. And I've just seen a lot of people being like, cool. So like you used my platform or my cause or my pain or my suffering for this moment, but you know, I want to be wanted all the moments. Right. There's there's no there's no continuation of what was started at that point in time is what it sounds like. Yeah. And I just felt like people, you know, got used and a lot of the supposed justice reform that I was seeing happen, especially in L.A., because it was kind of at the same time where I was a victim of violent crime, so I was going through the justice system and seeing it from the inside perspective at the same time that there's this fighting for that to change, and there are certain politicians that were in play in Los Angeles who supposedly were supposed to be, like, fixing certain problems that had to do with the justice system and the, you know, the privatized jail system and some of those issues. But then from my own personal perspective of being in the justice system at that time, it seemed like some of the things that they were supposedly supposed to be fixing the problems, but then it wasn't helping victims. Mm -hmm. It was like a lot of the things that they changed or that they were making adjustments to were actually just hurting like victims of violent crimes and I didn't really see how the impact of that was it wasn't really translating and I just felt like a lot of people were being like used and their emotions manipulated and that real change wasn't being effectuated I don't know how you feel about that I never really talked to you about the song no no I'm right there with you I totally agree a lot more should have been done, but, you know, that's the problem with our country right now. There's a lot of talk and not very little action. Even when the action happens, no one continues on it, on that path. And for some reason, it just dies down and everybody goes back to normal for whatever reason. Yeah, like, yeah, nobody's walking the walk. Right. There's, you know, there's a difference between Black Lives Matter and then, like, the organization. The organization raised... I don't remember how much, but like a billion dollars or something. Like, you think, like, 
there would be like some kind of like community programs or right. some sort of educational support for the youth or you know uh but instead it was like those those lesbian ladies that started it they ended up buying like five million dollar houses like five of them or something like that in la and people tried to confront them about it and you know they had nothing to say wow. like i don't know if you heard about that but i don't like watching a this big cause and these protests and all these things turn into like a few people getting rich off of other people's like real life suffering and I don't know. That's what I kind of meant by, like, I've seen lies imitate love. But, of course, like, it translates into, like, all the other sins of reality that people like to commit, whether it's, you know, racism or domestic violence or these other type of uh, overlaying, like, archetypical stories that we have to deal with as people. Is that many times people are like, oh, I'm your friend. I'm, I'm helping you. I'm good. Like, follow me and then they they don't care where they're following you just that that you are and i feel that way about politicians a lot well we could go on and on and on about politics but this song on it's a very important topic and i'm really glad that you actually have described what your feelings and your thoughts were behind this song because it is not what i thought it was which means that it was a very well written song because a lot of times it's it's great when you leave the interpretation of the song up to the individual that's listening to it. So wonderful to hear what it's about. Unfortunately, it, it's true, right? We, we know that there's a lot of yeah. things that still need to be fixed in not just our country, but in society today across all over the world. So here we go. Let's put this on. This is I've Seen Lies by Poet.
I was never going to be the same and that I couldn't do things the same way. And I had to kind of come to accept this reality that I had to focus on what I could do. And what I could do is I could collaborate with other musicians and I could still write songs and I could still sing, even though I struggle with the guitar. And so it was really awesome to me when people like Tate stepped up and was like, yeah, let's write music. I got like, let's do this. And then there's another producer up in Olympia that I've done a lot of hip hop with over the years. And he had offered me like his beat folder and was like, here, write, write some music so you don't have to stop. And so that's how I wrote the song Villain. And so, yeah, it's just been a long process of a lot of um, surgeries and physical therapy and trauma therapy and then going through the criminal system. But, you know, the best thing about the tragedy is just, you know, where it's leading my music right now. I'm so grateful to be playing music with Tate. He's been able to come out to Utah and do some shows with me. And when I go back to L.A., when I do fashion work and stuff, I've been able to, like, do recording and writing with him and with other collaborators. And it's just making my music more interesting, honestly, because there's more influence and ideas and musicianship. Because Tate, by far, if you hear his music, he can play the bass, he can play the guitar, he's a multi-instrumentalist, he's really, really talented and he produces like all of his music that he writes and records. And so just gratefully he's willing to lend his talents <laughs> and collaborate with you. me because singing our songs at my show, even if he's not around and people love them. And so it's, it's pretty exciting. Oh, that's awesome. Good, that's awesome. good music. <laughs> yes, I would agree. And now you did mention in some of the information that you sent me prior to the show, you know, that you have been going through the justice system for this particular crime. Was your attacker ever brought to justice? He was. He was uh, prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. But Los Angeles, like when I was talking about the politics earlier, one of the things that they decided to do uh, was to shut down the jail system in California. And so they're phasing out these whole jail system within the next five years. That was like a couple of years ago when they told me that. So probably within the next couple of years, they're not having a jail system at all. So um, even though I was permanently disabled from the assault, the perpetrator was sentenced to 29 days of community service. I was told that that was the best that they could possibly do with their current justice system. They put him on probation for a couple of years, and they said that that way at least they can watch him. But they won't be able to do anything unless he uh, finishes the job and fully murders someone. Then oh, my, that's something about That's it. so bad. Oh, now I'm annoyed. That's yeah. absolutely oh. horrible. It is. The DA That's what we're mayor. talking about, not having changes made to the whole justice system. Uh, everything has to be overhauled, wow. and nothing is done. I called one of my friends, Brad Kaz, who lives in L.A. He's, like, born and raised there because I was like, what the actual, what in the world? <laughs> like, this is crazy. And I talked to him about it, you know, because I thought he'd have more perspective. And he was like, yeah, I get on one hand, you know, the privatized jail systems, that's been an issue 
for a while because they've inappropriately like sentenced black people to longer sentences and all this kind of stuff, obviously for free labor or cheap labor, how they have it all set up. But the solution to say, okay, well, we want to stop that from happening. So what we're going to do is stop having people pay for bail, which affected me personally because when this man was arrested, he did not have to pay bail because of their new structure of the justice system, and he was released within 12 hours. So this person who had another female victim uh, there, whose parents were ready to go and help her and get out of that situation, which in a lot of domestic violence situations, as this is called, um, you only have that jail time of a few days when they first get arrested before arraignment for victims to be able to find a safe way to get out of that situation. So now there's no safe way for victims of domestic violence to get out of that situation unless they're able to get out of it within 12 hours of their perpetrators being released. Problem, and then also because they're shutting down the jail system, that means they can't sentence him to jail but they also aren't sentencing anyone to jail for grand theft auto or home burglaries or theft or any of, uh, you know, rape, uh, any of these kinds of things. They're only going to be putting people in jail for murder, which, as you can see, that doesn't solve the problem. No, it doesn't. And, boy, we could have a whole separate show on this because – that's just a time bomb waiting to happen. I had no idea. I absolutely had no idea that this was going on in California. I don't live in California. I live in North Carolina. But I had no idea that this was actually going on over there. That's just absolutely horrible. Absolutely horrible. It's, yeah, and, and I can only imagine. It's super complicated and difficult because that, the, that DA who ran for office he ran with the full support of Black Lives Matter and on that platform. So he completely used the community to, you know, say he was going to effectuate change. But then in turn, it's like, well, you know, victims of domestic violence and rape, like uh, that that affects everybody. It's it's not just yeah, one community not, that deals with a, that problem. Correct, correct. And that's what I was going to say. It's not just one specific community. And I, I like that word. It's not one community that has to deal with violent crimes, right? It's everyone who does, um, yeah. you know, in yeah. particular women. Because uh, I think there's a lot of violent yeah. crimes against women that go unpunished. Um, you know, one could say that women are the, the ones that are being discriminated against. All right, I won't go down that path because we're talking about yeah. music. I don't know and the we, answer. And can, I don't know the answer at all. Yeah, I don't know the answer at all either, but hopefully maybe maybe sometime, you know, one can hope and wish that change will happen. One thing I did is I did document the whole process, and I'm working on a docu-series and uh, releasing a music video for a villain, which discusses the whole process so that hopefully somebody smarter than me who maybe works in politics can find some better solutions that can help everyone. Oh, well, I'm looking forward to that. So you need to keep us in the loop when that's going to come out 
because we will definitely help share that around because this is something important that needs to be read across social media. So with that, let's take a short break here from a word from one of our partners in podcasting. This is Chatting with Matt. And we'll be right back with Mixing It with Nikki Chris here on the Sim Radio Network. Chatting with Nat is a podcast for independent women seeking to speak their truth and to break down barriers. We host honest conversations that help to guide and empower women. Speak your truth and set yourself free. Let your voice be heard. And we're back on Mixing It with Nikki Chris here on the Sim Radio Network. And my guests, Paulina and Kate Sims. Okay. Huh? <laughs> One of the questions that I asked, hello. One of the questions that I asked my singer-songwriters, anybody that writes music, is do you have a songwriting tip or trick that you would like to share? So I'm actually going to ask Kate to answer that question first. <laughs> okay. One of the tricks that I've learned uh, that helps me to get the ball rolling for writing, because sometimes everybody knows you run into a wall or you have a, you know, a creative block or you just, sometimes you just don't feel like writing, but uh, you have to keep pressing on. So what I do is like think of a phrase or uh, something, you know, or a short sentence that will inspire you to, once you get the first few words, then it seems like it just snowballs and it keeps continues to go and grow. And that's what I use a lot of the times. I sometimes start with a title instead of even an idea of a song. So if I start with, I have, have an idea of a, a title in my head, then I can roll with that flow. And that helps me out tremendously. Also, a friend of mine told me a long time ago, which has helped me a, a lot because I was really afraid to write lyrics in the beginning because I'm more of a melody kind of guy. They said, don't be afraid to use cliches and phrases and terms that people use every day because that's what draws people in because they can relate to it because they use that all the time. Don't be afraid to use those cliches because that's what helps people to identify with your music. So there you go. Ah, yes. You know, they had those on Master Writer. I use Master Writer a lot. It's a songwriting tool. But they have those on there. They're, I think they call them like idioms or things like that where you can <laughs> – you can go right. and get like those those little phrases and things like that. That's a really good tip. Awesome, Lena, you. you're welcome. How about a tip or trick from you? I definitely like what Tate had to say. I definitely agree that even when you don't feel like writing, you have to push yourself to keep writing. Even if you're journaling or whatever, you have to keep that part of your brain sharp. One thing I'll do is. If I am having a hard time writing and I'm not doing well, I'll just kind of do like a practice write where I'll just take a song that I like and I'll just take the guitar chords and I don't learn how to play the song, but I'll just like play them in a different order or whatever so that I have like a starting point and then I'll just practice writing in a certain key or something like that just as a challenge and sometimes it turns into a song and other times it's just like a it's not a great song but it helped me push through but someone told me once like you got to write all the bad songs to get to the good ones so I never worry about if I write a song and it's not good enough because you can either use the words as placement words and you can rewrite them and 
challenge yourself to say the same thing in a different way, or, you know, you can just keep that part of your brain sharp that's like practicing writing. No, that's a great tip. And I actually just talked with somebody the other day about an upcoming project. And the first thing that they said out of their mouth was, okay, don't focus on the number that's going to be on the album. Focus on, you know, writing X amount of songs because just because you want to put this number on your record that doesn't mean that's all that you write. You always need to write more than what you think you're going to need because, yes, you know, the first thing that you write may yeah. not be something that actually ends up getting released. So, great. Excellent. Yeah. Before we <laughs> get to the next song, you are also into fashion and design besides music. How did you get involved in that? When I first moved to L.A. like 10 years ago, which is funny because my family's actually, like, from L.A., but I was born in Seattle. But when I got down there, I've been touring for years, and I've taught some music lessons or had some odd jobs, but I didn't ever really, I hadn't worked, honestly, anything outside of music much. And so when I got to L.A., everything was really different and super highly competitive, and I was, like, going to all the open mics and doing all these things, and I was like, I can't make a living as a musician in L.A. I mean, at least not right now. I don't know anybody, and I'm just out there hustling. So I was looking for a job, and it was really difficult because it was making me depressed (laughs) because I was like, I'm an adult, and I have no skills, and all I know how to do is sing songs, and this is ridiculous, and... But I had always made costumes for my own shows, and this little Craigslist post popped up that said, you know, do you want to be a heat press operator for a small fashion company? And I, I wrote a letter, and I was like, I don't know what a heat press is, but I'm really good at learning, and I'm pretty good at making things by hand. And I basically just sent an email with pictures that I had made of costumes and jewelry and things like that, and... I got an interview and I met the boss and he was like, I love your resume. And I said, if you think I have a resume, then we're going to work out just fine because I did not have a resume. <laughs> <laughs> Sent pictures of my work. So anyway, I've been working with that company for seven years now and uh, doing independent contract work. And the company is Deep Blue Dazzled. So we we make stuff for Beyonce and all the like TV and film and award shows and fashion weeks and stuff like that. So it, it went from being, I started working like one day a week for four hours. And then it, you know, just the company took off and went from working out of the owner's house to like now we have like, multiple shops on Ventura in the Valley in Studio City. Oh, how fun. California. How fun. So, yeah, yeah, and even after I moved to Utah, I've been able to keep working for that company. Uh, they were able to replace me because it's, um, you know, the whole process of how everything is made because I'm really kind of like the structural design person or problem solver, like person that she goes to when she doesn't know how to figure out something that she's designed, then she'll kind of give me her ideas and then I perfect them and 
I, pretty much everything I make is by hand. And yeah, we won an Emmy actually for costumes we did for the oh, well, hey. team. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Congratulations. That's fabulous. That's, see, now the next time I have an award show, I'll be pinging you saying, where can I get some jewelry to wear? That's awesome. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, I love that. See, yeah. I was not expecting yeah, and, that. Was not expecting that at all. Yeah, I make all the costumes for me and Tate when we perform and for other band members and dancers and stuff, so... We look good, right, Kate? I like to say so. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. Let's talk about Village. You mentioned that you have a video that's coming out, but let's tell everybody again what this song is about and how did you two uh, co-write it? Because I think this is a co-write with Tate, correct? This one is not with Tate. This song I actually did with Smoke of Old Dominion. He's up in the Seattle area. He's a hip-hop producer I've worked with over the years with a lot of artists. And then I recorded the vocals at mine and Tate's friend Andromedan Music, Monhan Microphones. It's also in Hollywood. It's where we used to practice and where me and Tate met. At. I worked there. Andrew produced that track. And I wrote that shortly after I had been assaulted and it clearly very like emotive and coming from the perspective of in in domestic and sexual violence situations oftentimes the perpetrator makes the victim feel like the villain because they're demonized by Mm -hmm. you know the things they say in court and all that kind of you know being demonized and called the villain when I wasn't the one committing any crimes so (laughs) Yeah, it's got a lot of other... So the song was released, and then the music video took a lot longer to release because I had to learn how to edit and finish it because I had a certain vision I couldn't quite capture. So it has a lot of other um, survivors of domestic violence that worked on the project or danced on the project and or edited or whatever. So it brings together a lot of different voices of survivors and and also advocates, because there's a lot of really great friends, you know, like Tate, who just stepped up and, you know, they didn't have Aww. to, but they, you know, were like, you know, this is how community works. Someone, oh, you can't play the guitar? Well, I'll play the guitar for you. Oh, you you know, you can't dance? Well, I'll dance for you. You know, and um, so I'm just really grateful to, like, that whole community that came together, musicians and people, to support me to make that video because it was a lot of hard work. I made all the costumes for it, except for some of the stuff I got from the company, Diebel Jazzle, that I work for. She donates a lot of older costumes and pieces to me for, so I can do shows. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> yeah, fantastic. That's oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. Yeah, April 27th, I believe, is when it's going to be released on YouTube. So originally Excellent. I wanted to enter do the interview about another song me and Tate had done called Crazy in Love, but then I realized I'd finished that video, and I was like, oh, let me change it real quick so I can let people know it's it's coming out <laughs> super soon. So No, that's perfect. Well, let's play this by Helena. We're excited. It's a fabulous song. I have heard it. I have been listening to it. 
and I'm really looking forward to the video, but we're going to play this right now. This is <laughs> Villain by Poena.
again, another fantastic song. And please, uh, we said that the video comes out uh, last week in April. Definitely make sure that we get that link so that we can cross-promote that. Guys, keep an eye out for it. Make sure that you're following on YouTube so that you can get notified when that comes out because I think this is going to be something very special. So before we sign off, anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners? Do you have any upcoming plans maybe in the next six months that you'd like to let everybody know? What about where they can find you on social media? Any final thoughts or comments that you would like to let our listeners know? I'm excited to say that soon, probably next month or a couple of weeks, I'm going to be back in Ogden, Utah with Poena and I, and we're going to be tearing it up somewhere there. So keep a lookout for that. You can take the rest. Yeah. Yep. We're going to do some Utah shows and I'm super excited. Hopefully we'll get to do some recording when Tate's here as well. I applied for a grant. I haven't told Tate this yet, and I'm hoping it comes through in order to start working on the docuseries, which there's some music in that, too, that me and Tate will probably write. So if that goes through, then he'll be out here again recording with me. (laughs) But you can find his music on Spotify, Tate Sims. He's got a lot of great music out. You can find me on Spotify or iTunes or whatever under Poena or on Instagram, Poena, YouTube. I am, now that I've learned how to edit and I successfully edited Villain, <laughs> I'm going to start working on editing I've Seen Lies, which is the track you heard earlier, and hopefully I'll be able to express even more in that video, kind of like, you know, the seven, seven deadly sins, <laughs> you know, violence or in general, I just, hopefully we're going to put together a really beautiful music video for that as well, so. We're working on things for y'all. Follow Poena online so you don't miss anything. We will definitely have all of the socials linked at the bottom of this interview. We will make sure that we get those primary ones hyperlinked so that people can just click on them and follow. You two have been an absolute pleasure to have on the show. I would like to thank you so, so very much. For taking the time for having to talk with me today. Absolutely. It has been Absolutely. a wonderful, wonderful pleasure. Everybody, thank you for tuning in to Mixing It. On behalf of all of us here at Sim Radio, this is Nikki Chris. Until next time, keep on mixing it. Thanks, Nikki. 